I'm taking you a picture of Linda so you can see what she's wearing before we get started. Oh my goodness. Jealous much? (laughs) (laughs) Who gave you the Boy State t-shirt? My best friend who went to Boy State. And I went to grow up, so we swapped t-shirts. Wow. I, yikes. (laughs) (laughs) It is worn. (laughs) Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, talk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing a new documentary from A24, Boy State. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question. If you were a high schooler participating at Boy State, what would your campaign promise be? I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in Chicago, and I absolutely hate this question because high school boys are the worst. But my campaign promise would be no bullying. Classic. <laughs> Timely. Um, I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and I remember when I was a high schooler, I was very passionate about free speech. And like, what did that mean? (laughs) Wasn't totally sure, but I was passionate about it. I remember making a short film with duct tape over my mouth to symbolize something. Um, So I would probably stick to some vague bullshit about the importance of free speech. Got it. And you might have heard another voice joining us today. That is the voice of our dear friend, Linda. Linda, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello. Uh, My name is Linda Bailey. I work in nonprofits in Nashville, and I'm on the internet a lot. Yeah. And also Sandra's friend. (laughs) Close friend. I've I've mentioned her several times on the podcast of like, I was watching this with Linda. (laughs) That's me. Yeah. I'm Linda in question. And so, Linda, if you were a high schooler at Boy State, what would your campaign promise be? You know, I didn't really prepare anything for this, <laughs> even though you gave it to me. But I think it would be something food-related. I feel like that would really connect mm-hmm. us all. I don't know. I, but I also feel gross about, like, nutrition things. So it would really just be... I would make a joke. If I was in high school, Boy State, I would make a joke about pizza pizza every day of the week. Yeah. Gotcha. It wouldn't be Sounds funny. about right. I might be able to make it, though, but I, <laughs> that's what I would do. Um, well, we're going to talk more about Boy State later on in the episode, but before we do that, I want to know what we're all feeling this week. So, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Well, I've been struggling to figure out how to talk about Doctor Who um, because it can be overwhelming for both sides, <laughs> um, but <laughs> over the last couple weeks, uh, my wife and I have been binge watching all of the new doctor who um because it all is all on hbo max now now when um, you say new doctor who we need yes some this is a here. show this is a show that's been around in one form or another for like for over 15 years with rotating casts and it's hard to keep track of you know who's in it and what's going on um the show got rebooted in 2005 and so since then it has started over with a new I guess, like, season number and everything. Um, new showrunner, everything like that. Now, it's 
obviously rotated showrunners, rotated cast members since then, but that is kind of the the break. Um, so everything post nineteen not nineteen ninety five two thousand five is considered new Doctor Who. Gotcha. Um, I, honestly, the old stuff like it started in the sixties and. A lot of that stuff is lost to time, and so it's not even available to watch. So I haven't watched any of the old stuff. But I consider myself a Doctor Who fan who has just watched the new stuff, and I feel like that's something that's doable. Um, I feel like the more the more you talk about what the show actually is, the easier it is to watch people's eyes just start to glaze over. So I'm going to talk less about what the show is and more about like how it makes me feel. But I will say this show is about traveling in space and time but because of that, it can never be one thing. It's both sci-fi and fantasy and historical fiction and a modern drama sometimes. And it's extremely British. I, I haven't mentioned that. But it is a British show. It's been on the BBC forever. And because it's been around so long, it's something that all the actors and writers grew up on. And you can really feel um, how much they love this and how much they've been involved with it and now, because this show can be anything, anyone can be involved. And it's so fun to see early versions of, like, Carrie Mulligan and Daniel Kaluuya and a baby-faced Andrew Garfield popping in for episodes. And since almost each episode is its own story, you can also get amazing writers to come in and give you their take on an adventure with the Doctor. And you get Neil Gaiman doing an episode about life in a bubble on the outside of the universe, right next to Richard Curtis exploring depression with Vincent Van Gogh. And so... I love the kind of simplistic nature of it, um, and yet you do get this long, overarching story of um, an alien <laughs> who looks like a human who travels through space and time. <laughs> uh, but it really is just about friendship and and love and really very optimistic look at, at humanity and what yeah. humanity can be. And I think right now is an awesome time to, <laughs> to watch something that is just very... Um, heartwarming i think and so like there are i it's, it's it's kind of a family show like it's i would say from like middle schoolers and up um it's got a lot of scary-ish again for middle schoolers <laughs> stuff in it um but it's also very fun yes yes spoiler warning for us it's also scary <laughs> for me <laughs> but um yeah i think it's a great show and if you're if you're interested in some episode recommendations i would not start at the beginning i would there's like some a couple episodes that can like ease you into it um, into what kind of show it can be um, if you're interested in watching a couple. So where did you and Rebecca start watching or re-watching? We started at the beginning of, of New Who. Because again, that's the New Who starting, the yeah, starting in 2005. Gotcha. Yeah, is the only one that's available for streaming anywhere. Yeah. And have um, both of y'all already seen it before? Yes. Okay. Yes. We, yeah, we, I, this is probably like my third time through it. Um, this is Rebecca's second um, but we've, we've been watching it kind of as it's gone along and as each, cause they change out, you know, the actor who's playing the doctor throughout. And so each kind of section is a good break for people who want to jump out or jump back in. Sure. Um, um so. how far in are you right now? We are eight seasons. <laughs> so it's so, been a quick couple weeks. <laughs> in terms of actors playing the doctor, where are you? So we are um, about to start Peter Capaldi's season. Got it. So we're just wrapping up Matt's. Okay, I only watched Doctor Who for the Amy Pond years. Um, okay. For those who don't yeah. know, the Doctor is a character that always has a human sidekick, and typically they're women, right? And so uh, one of the characters' names was Amy Pond, played by um, Karen Gillan from you know 
Marvel and Avengers world. Linda, you would you're familiar with Marvel and Avengers world. I am, but I would need to see a photo. <laughs> yeah. She was she was like a robot lady in those movies. <laughs> oh, yes. My eyes have glazed over, Lucas. I'm so sorry. I was really trying. So I was gonna say no, that your good. description of it, as someone who's heard a lot of people talk about it but has never watched, your description of it was probably the most compelling. Sorry, Xander, because I know you've talked to me about it, but <laughs> it, I yeah, it makes me maybe like if someone was watching an episode and I walked in the room, I would sit down and finish it with them. I have episodes I think that I could show you, Linda, that you would be definitely invested in. I don't think I could get you to like commit to a season. Yeah, well, absolutely. That just goes to I've... my deeper commitment problems. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think that's that's kind of the overarching theme of people interested in Doctor Who is just come in, watch an episode because you can. Right. Um, they, they are little stories. And so um, obviously you get long overarching right. themes about love and friendship and all of that stuff. But there are some really great just kind of one-off episodes that you can watch that are really fun. And then you can disappear and never have to talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. I'm glad that you found something that, like, gives you hope in today's yeah. <laughs> It's I've, it's it's fun. I've been doing some sewing and then watching Doctor <gasps> Who in the background and it just and drinking a lot of tea and it's been great. Um. Okay. Well, Linda, what are you feeling this week? Well, <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing, but I'm so I'm really exposing myself here. Okay. <laughs> so it all started when I really decided that I wanted to watch Pushing Daisies. The premise is two people are in love and they can't touch each other or she will die. Great show. Great show. Fitting for our time. Perfect for our yes. time. <laughs> I'm very lonely right now. <laughs> and not touching a lot of people. So anyway, I decided I want to watch that. And I was like, where is it streaming? And the answer was nowhere except for this one app I found called CW Seed, which is an app of a bunch of CW shows. It's free, but the catch is that you have to watch ads on, on the episode. Yeah. So like there's the CW Network and then CW Seed is like their off branch like organization of either old shows that they own the library to or, like, random, weird, like, low-budget shows that, like, weren't good enough for to be on the CW, but they bought them anyway and they put them on C. <laughs> exactly, which is exactly what I want to watch right now. Just bad trash TV that I watched a long time ago and I want to revisit. Yeah. So I've I watched so I've been watching Pushing Daisies and then also um, Suburgatory, which I remembered liking at the time that it came out. I think I thought it was on ABC. I don't. Remember. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, not great. Now, Lucas, did you ever watch Suburgatory? I did. That's the show with uh, Jane Levy, right? Yes. Is that the redhead? Yes. Yeah. Who I love. Who's like the best part of the show for me. Anyway. Uh, so it has the commercials, which I think a lot of people would be like, oh, no, thank you. But I find charming because it feels like the kind of TV that you want, com- like you expect commercials in. Yeah. Which I Linda needs like phone breaks. I need phone breaks. I need them to be built in. I can't. All that focused attention. I, no, no, no. That's no, awesome. No, no. So in general, CW Seed and everything that's on it is what you're feeling this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am feeling a TV show this week. I'm feeling months behind the national conversation. I am feeling normal people. Um, Normal people is a book that I have recently read uh, in anticipation of the show and had a lot of strong but mixed feelings about. And then when the show came out, I wasn't sure how I would feel about it, even though everyone talking about the show, like were ranting and raving And I finally sat myself down to watch it, 
and like with no surprise it is I think it's just one of the best shows of the year I think it's so incredibly beautiful and powerful before I continue to rant and rave about it Lucas have you seen normal people I have not this seems like a show that I'm not capable of watching at the moment (laughs) (laughs) same (laughs) have you read the book Lucas I haven't no okay I really need you to watch normal people like I don't say (laughs) that to you about a lot of things because like I feel like I usually trust your taste and my taste. And if you're like, oh, I'm going to sit this one out. I'm like, you know, you know you. But I think Normal People is something that you're going to find very good. Because it is incredibly good. It's yeah. um, the premise of the book and the show. Which, one of the things I'll say up front is that the, sh- the show does a really surprisingly good job at, at a, um, adapting the book. Um, a lot of times when you read a book and you see a movie or a show, you, you, you can tell like what they decided to leave out and how different the characterization is. Everything here feels so close, so like lived out and realized. Um, but it's a book and a show about these two Irish teens at the beginning who one is kind of a, a girl that's an outcast and the other one is a popular boy. And they start having sex in secret and kind of like what that relationship does to the two of them. And then the rest of the story follows them throughout their years in college and how their relationship ebbs and flows. And um, I liken the show to the feelings of watching like Call Me By Your Name or the Before Sunrise series of films. And that the whole focus of this story is about just these two characters and their relationship like there's not there are other things that happen to the characters that make them fully realized humans and um people going through pain and struggle but the show never really veers from the plot of this is this is a relationship that these two people can't seem to break away from for better or worse and I thrive in content about relationships and like the painfulness of being in them and being out of them. Um, And this one is done exceptionally well. It stars, let me see, uh, Paul Meskel um, as the main, as the lead male male character and Daisy Edgar-Jones as the, you know, the woman in the show. And, And the chemistry between the two of them is like, it's remarkable. Um, I, I've never seen a TV show, I've seen movies handle this well, but I've never seen a TV show handle intimacy, sex scenes, romance, the way that this show has that feels so natural and, and the stakes are so high. You know, it feels like, wow, if these two people can't figure it out, like, I don't know what I will do with myself. And I love a show that lets me fully invest every single one of my emotions in it. Um, Paul Meskel especially is delivering a performance in the show that um, I think should win him tons of awards. It's something, there's a specific scene in the show that I am still holding on to like a week after I watched it that I can't believe as an actor he was able to pull it off with such sincerity. Um, And yeah, it, this is like I think the television event of the year. If you know last year and the year before we were all talking about how important succession was, for me that's what normal people is this year. So that's why when I tell you Lucas that you have to watch it, I'm really really pushing it. 
I, I really it is definitely <laughs> it has definitely been on the list of things it's like i'm i'm absolutely gonna watch this when i'm when i feel better about the world yeah <laughs> this is something that's on the list it's like everything about it sounds amazing it's directed by i think lenny abramson did yes. um a lot of the directing on it um who i absolutely love his work it's written by the same lady who wrote uh lady Macbeth, and she's written on succession like it's all and the, it all sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> um, it also seems similar to um, the movie Like Crazy. Um, yes. That kind of vibe. And I absolutely love that movie. So this is 100% on my list of things to watch. I will, I will definitely do it. Good. I do want to say, you know, I mentioned earlier that I read the book before I watched the show. And the book, I really loved reading. I was, like, so invested in it. But the ending... Um, didn't fully work for me. I remember ending, reading, finishing the book, being like, "Ugh, that ending." Um, because, in my opinion, in my interpretation, there's a bleakness to the ending of the book. Um, and I will say that one of the reasons I liked the show just a tad bit more is that the show, although they're dealing with like a lot of pain in the show, somehow found a way to turn. Take the same ending that the book had. It didn't really, you know, change the plot. But, like, make me feel a little bit better about the world and these characters. And I I give it a bravo for that. So, if that helps anyone, you know, get excited about watching the show, I hope it does. Yeah. Um. So, before we move on and talk about our, our movie of the week, we have a section that is, you know fleeting in this day and age there are sometimes there's trailers in the world and sometimes they're not i think as movie theaters might start to be opening soon um we're getting more movie trailers and that brings us to our in or out section where we talk about certain trailers that have come out and we decide whether we're in or out on them are you in or out talking about is called The Devil All the Time. It is directed by Antonio Campos and it stars a lot of people, but I'll say like the main stars are seem to be Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland. Um and I want to know Lucas Linda, did you watch this trailer and are you in or out? Uh I I watched the trailer and I am in <laughs> purely for Tom Holland. And Robert Pattinson, honestly. But oh, that's right. You're a big Tom Holland. Oh, fan. huge. I really think we would get along and be friends. <laughs> I know that's insane to say, but I do feel that way. I think he would laugh at all the things I say. Um, this movie, I'm. Uh, this movie is not what I want to watch because I don't like these like mystery southern, southern gothic, creepy, like religious. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, no, but in general. Right. But uh, with this cast and these times, I feel like it's exactly what I want to jump into. Lucas, are you in or out? I'm 100% in. I feel the same way that, like, the theme of this, of, like, backwoods, uh, what is this, 1960s uh, era <laughs> religious cult murder stuff, like, not interested in that. But the way this trailer's presented, the cast, the, you know, it it looks awesome, so I'm very very excited, interested in it. Halfway yeah. through the trailer, Rebecca was like, "No, I'm not watching this." <laughs> she just walked away. <laughs> you know, this trailer reminded me so much of Sharp Objects, even mm. though it's set in a completely different era. 
Um, and Sharp Objects doesn't really have like the religious element, but the vibe of the the southern voices and the small town and the sinister creeping around every corner, families intertwined, really gave me a Sharp Objects feel, which I did love Sharp Objects. Is there a scars guard in this too? There is. Yeah, that did it. That put me over the edge, I think. <laughs> I should just run through the cast because the cast list is something to behold. It has Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland, Sebastian Stan, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Haley Bennett, Mia Wachowski, uh, Eliza Scanlon, who was in Sharp Objects, uh, Jason Clark. Um, just a pretty impressive cast of it actors, I should say. Yeah, so we're very, very in on The Devil All the Time. That comes out on Netflix on September 16th, so pretty soon. Ooh. The other trailer that we wanted to talk about is called Judas and the Black Messiah. It's the story of Fred Hampton, the chair chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his um, fateful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. It's st- it's directed by Shaka King, who I'm not familiar with. Lucas, are you familiar with him? No, not at all. Yeah, me either. Um, so it'll be exciting to see a movie from a director that I don't know. It stars Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Jesse Plemons, Martin Sheen, Lil Ray Howery, Ashton Sanders. Those are some of the names that I'm familiar with. Um, Lucas, are you in or out on this trailer? 100% in. This trailer gives me a lot of Widows vibes. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a very good trailer. The A lot of really good music. Um, a lot of really good uh, Daniel Kaluuya yelling. Um, <laughs> uh, big fan of this cast. Um, big fan of this trailer. I think this is going to be an awesome movie, and I'm very excited to, to see this story played out. This I'm so in on this movie. This I mean, I would have been in if you just told me, like, Daniel Kaluuya and Luke Keith Stanfield are doing a movie together. I would have been like, okay, cool, I'm in. Like, tell me when and where. But this yeah. trailer is so invigorating. Like, yeah. I, you know, I appreciate, like, trailers that fill you with adrenaline when you're done mm. seeing them and make you want to see the movie, like, that day. Like, can I watch this now? Like, what? when can I get my hands on this? And I feel like this trailer does that. Um, and so I'm... I'm like, really excited to see this movie. What about you, Linda? Same. 100% in. Got chills in the trailer, which is always a good sign. Super hot for, what, the main guy? Yes. What is it, else is he in? Well, there's, which one? The, uh, the one I recognize from something. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Kaluuya or Lakeith Stanfield? Is he in, um... Get Out? Yes. 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 Big fan. Yes, he's fantastic. <laughs> and also, I will say, like, talking about how much energy that this trailer has, I think that's especially, um, I think that's especially important with stories about, like, historic, based on historical stories, you know? And, and this is obviously, like, a, a topic that's, like, full of energy anyways, mm. but sometimes so many historical movies, they can be filled with a self-importance that prevents them from being um, full of energy. And this does not seem to be the case at all with this film. Definitely. Honestly, if you'd told me originally that they were making a Fred Hampton movie, I would have been 100% in. But the fact that it's Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield specifically, I think that really puts it over the top. I'm so pumped for this. Totally. Me too. Has Daniel Kaluuya, I'm, I'm clicking on his IMDb, has he had a... Like a loss yet? 
You know, like, has he, in his filmography, uh, like... I don't think he's had, like, a bad movie. Yeah. I guess um, Queen and Slim has mixed mixed feelings. People have mixed feelings about Queen and Slim. Um, yeah. But he's he's just on a roll that I am excited to see how the rest of his career plays out because, you know, hit after hit just sets him up. Yeah. It's really exciting when we get two trailers that are, like, we're both... Or all three of us are enthusiastic. It's great. (laughs) Feels good. It's like maybe movies aren't dead. Maybe just maybe. Maybe they're not dead. We'll see. Judas and the Black Messiah does not have a release date yet. That's true. The the end of the trailer says only in theaters, meaning like we're not (laughs) streaming this shit. Like (laughs) I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep our fingers crossed that that does eventually come to play and doesn't have like a yeah. tenant history. <laughs> um, so let's move on to talk about why we're all really here and especially why our friend Linda is here, which is we all watched the newest documentary from A24 called Boy State. It released on Apple TV Plus this past weekend and it is about a program hosted by the American Legion throughout the country where high school juniors, um, both girls and boys, are selected to participate in these mock government summer, long, summer like week-long camps. Um, girls go to girl state, boys go to boy state. And this documentary focuses on, I believe it was filmed in 2018, um, the week-long boy state in, set in Texas. You're describing um, this makes it sound like Hitler Youth, just letting you know. <laughs> well, you know, like, it's so interesting to hear you say that, Lucas, because as someone who, <laughs> you didn't know what Boy State was before this tra- trailer. I had no idea. Right. No. So yeah. I was familiar with Boy State um, and Girl State, and I never put that into my mind because it always just, I always equated it to Model UN, which doesn't seem like Hitler Youth. <laughs> like, it just seems Correct. like kids <laughs> learning, like, what the government is. And so yeah. this just seemed like a model UN for the state level of government. So it's interesting that so many people have a sinister interpretation of that from the get-go when I never did. Um, but all that to say, one of the reasons we have Linda Bailey here with us is because, Linda, what is your history with Boy State and Girl State? I want to say first it's generous to say one of the reasons when really it's the sole reason. <laughs> is because I, as a junior in Texas, went to Texas Girl State. We have a Girl State alumnus with us. Um, and so we're hoping that you can shed some light as we're talking about this film about like how it compares to your experiences in the girls version and also in the 2000 and what year? Six? That I was there? Yeah. Sure was 2006. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 2006 versus 2018. Girls versus boys. Um, maybe yeah. a slight bit of context. Yeah, I'm really excited to compare my experience. Um, what, when Sandra and I were watching it, I was getting flashbacks and like recovered memories. When they would say to me every things. every moment she would, we would be watching it, and like you would visually see her get triggered by something and be like, "Oh my gosh, I just had another memory." Oh, 
So is it? That's really how my experience is. It the same because you know how like Boy Scouts is all about like camping and survival, and Girl Scouts is about like baking and things. I don't like okay, crafting. That is definitely so like those not are two true. different things. But is Girl State and Boy State the I same? I just want to put it out there that that's not what Girl <laughs> Scouts are about. That is what isn't that what Girl Scouts I, is? No, I mean. What is Girl, Girl Scouts? Scout, I did learn how to set a table. I'm assuming you didn't do that with Boy Scouts. <laughs> but I do think that's My probably... understanding of Girl Scouts is it's mostly about, like, baking, and it's, it's like, it's, like, very, like, 1960s, like, this no, is the women's no, thing. No, 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 right? no, 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 What is it? I, I, I will say, I was never in Girl Scouts, <laughs> so I can't attest to this firsthand. But my understanding is that Girl Scouts is, like... Similar to Boy Scouts, but it's a little bit more, like, well-rounded and not just camping. That I would agree with, yes. So Girl Scouts do camping yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow, I had no idea. We learned how to I had no idea. use a knife. Yeah. I was limited. <laughs> I was only there for about a year. Yeah. So you learned to use a knife. Yeah. And, like, they're, Girl Scouts are focused a lot on, like, community service mm-hmm. and, like, leadership and a lot of those things as well. Got it. Yeah. So... We all, I should just say, we all saw this trailer come out. Or at least I saw this trailer come out. I was very excited. And I started texting it to everyone I knew, including the two of you. And so even though I was, I witnessed both of your reactions to the trailer, please share with our audience, like, how you felt when you saw just the trailer for Boy State. I loved this trailer. This is a really great trailer. Yeah. And makes you very it makes you cringe a lot <laughs> at the people in it. I can't imagine being in high school and being in a documentary and then oh. growing up and seeing myself in a documentary at that age. Um, but I think, like, just based on the trailer, everybody in it seems so charismatic and so interesting. Um, I was 100% in on this on this movie from the get-go. Linda, what was your reaction to the trailer? Oh, same. It was like, there's so much energy happening here, and you can see it's like oh i see this glimpse of these characters that i have to see more of yeah by watching the full thing yeah i remember you texted it to a friend of yours that went to boy state oh that's right so my best friend in high school went to boy state i went to girl state and so i texted him the trailer and was like um (laughs) please watch this and tell me your thoughts i haven't he hasn't told me his thoughts yet but he did say (laughs) when he watched the trailer that it seemed a lot more intense than what his experience there was, which could be the times or just the framing or yeah, I don't I don't really yeah. remember. Sure, I don't. Think I'm sure he was when he. <laughs> I'm sure, went, there are many people who go to Boys State and just hang out and play basketball and eat and stuff. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I feel like he was the kind of guy who wouldn't have been like off the bus saying vote for me for Texas <laughs> governor, but would have yeah. been like, okay, I'm gonna find like a modest thing and really try for it. A little uh, lower yeah. office, right? That which yeah. was not my experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about. So like, like I said, the premise of Boy State is that um, I think it's how many. It's like twelve hundred like junior or boys mm-hmm. all come to the state capital. They all come to Austin and they spend a week long learning about state government and how to create parties, how to create party platforms, how to run for office, um, how elections are, you know, created and maintained. And um, we are introduced throughout the film and and mostly at the beginning to our four main characters that the film is going to follow throughout this week. We have um, Ben Feinstein, who is 
a, like, brimming young Republican. Like, he refers to himself as a politics nerd. He has, like, a little... He has, he obviously, like, worships Reagan. Um, he is... He seems kind of like... Uh, well, I should say almost a lot of these these teens seem like Aaron Sorkin, like, characters. Or, or like, yeah. kids <laughs> pretending to be Aaron Sorkin characters. Um, and, yeah, he's just, like ready to get going and he he seems to think of himself as incredibly smart also oh yeah um we then we also have um also sort of on the conservative side you have rob mcdougall oh my god who is like conservative but not quite as self-serious as like the ben feinstein Mm -hmm. kid and is full of like energy and charm in a way that like i couldn't take my eyes off um, and we, we can talk more about him as well. Then we have Steven Garza, who is the son of a Mexican immigrant who is incredibly progressive. He's a fan of Bernie Sanders, of Beto. He comes in knowing that he's going to be the minority in like a lot of ways at Boy State, um, but still is like super passionate about like politics and public service. And then we have Rene Artero, who is like this really outspoken, enthusiastic, charming, clever public speaker who is interested in politics, who um, is also seemingly pretty progressive, but who seems like he knows how to like work his way in through a crowd of people that he might not have as much in common with. Um, so as we like work our way through each of these guys and like how they handle Boy State, First, I just want to ask y'all, what did you think of this movie in general? I thought it was a great documentary. I think doing something like this, I feel like, is extremely risky just because of the the cast that you kind of choose going into a documentary of, like, who are you going to follow through this? Right. And I'm sure that they followed more kids that just ended up getting cut out. But the fact that they got this crew um, worked really well for the storytelling of, of the elections because you don't know how things are going to work out there. Um and I thought it was very interesting to watch them kind of compile this. It was very entertaining. Um, I think overall, um, this is more, I guess, on the spoiler spoiler side about like what it says about politics and what it says specifically about our two party system is very interesting to me. Um, and what it's like kind of entering that world at that young of an age. So what, what do you think it says? Or do you want to wait till we talk about spoilers? I want to wait to talk about spoilers. Cause it, cause it, okay. it, it is about the actual elections that happen here and sure. kind of what those outcomes are. Gotcha. So, but I, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to get too much into that, but I think it's interesting to explore that with kids that age. Gotcha. Linda, what, how did you feel in general about the film? Yeah. I mean, exactly the same. I think, um, just the way it weaves both like this very specific week-long event with more of a like political context for the country mm. is very captivating. Um, and just like watching so many like high school boys and the things that they care about or say they care about in this context was really fascinating to me. Yeah, as 30-year-olds, like we're all like in our early 30s, we don't know a ton of high school boys, like, in 2020. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, no, I certainly don't. So, yeah, that was fascinating to just kind of observe that. And then, I mean, the the people that they found for this were just extraordinary to me. Like, 
I believe, I fully believe that the people who work year after year with Texas Boy State see characters and see in people and see like, oh, the, these are interesting people and probably know that every year they get like a batch. But it seems like incredibly lucky that this was the year they filmed this. Right. But I imagine that that's just kind of what, like the type of person that would be captivated by this experience and would go after like top offices are interesting people. Yeah. Well, like as the tr- the opening credits of this film showed, many like important historical figures in our country's politics are men that went to Boy State when they were teenagers. We have there's like Bill Clinton, Dick Cheney, like Rush Limbaugh, uh there was others that I'm Cory Booker. Cory Booker, mm-hmm. yes. And so like this is like a, a program that has produced some of like our top politicians in our country. And so it's no surprise that, yeah, each year there are, there are stars that probably will have great political futures. And especially in something, I think most of those people like didn't go specifically to Texas Boy State, like they went to the Boy State and other you know parts of the country. But Texas, being such a large, I always say this about Texas that because we're such a large state, and just you know numbers wise, whoever is the cream of the crop in Texas is usually pretty outstanding because you're operating from like a large field of people, um, and so I would imagine that also made Texas this a, a really exciting place to film this documentary compared to other states. What I'm hearing is I was cream of the crop in my <laughs> high school for getting chosen to go to, not only go to Texas Girls State, but also winning a gold state medal from a UIL academic competition. That I will give you. <laughs> what else can I brag about from high school? Um, well, I will say that I was like really amazed at how good this documentary was. Like I expected it to be good, but I didn't expect um I didn't really expect to be as moved as I was. Mm. Um and I found parts of it incredibly moving. And then of course I also found parts of it to be incredibly chilling. And mm-hmm. um so you know, we I think there's a lot to glean from it about the state of our politics today. But what I found more interesting was just, and what I find interesting in a lot of films, and this is a subject matter I try to seek out, is, like, what are the long-term effects of, like, masculinity Mm. and toxic masculinity? And, like, what is inherent and what is learned and what is harmful and what is not uh, about masculinity and specifically watching a large group of boys all the same age and what happens when they get together and when all of their energy is like revved up by each other I find fascinating um to like critique so that was like what I really loved watching about this movie is I don't think we we see a lot of like I think the closest thing we have to that is like sports movies, but those usually aren't documentaries. They're, you know, like screenplays that are written with some of like the more sinister aspects of teenage boyhood written out, right? Um, Or toned down. And so this movie kind of had it on in full display in a way that you just don't get very often. Um, So that was what I found the most compelling about the movie. I think before we get into spoilers, I should just say that like, 
normally we kind of talk about actors and their performances because it's a documentary. It feels kind of <laughs> odd to like compliment someone on their personhood, I guess. But they, I keep wanting to say the guy who played because we're used to saying that in movies. But Rene Ortero, who is in this film, um, is a star. Like, I think Truly. all four of them, technically, like, the, the reason they were picked is because they all have a star quality. But Rene Otero is someone who, like, you're amazed at his, how much of a star he is for his age. You know, like, I was, I found him so impressive. Um, and I can't wait to see more from him specifically. Yeah, both the things he said and his delivery yeah. were just, uh, I mean, he was more clever than I am at 30. Like, <laughs> very clearly. Like, It was just so uh, unique to him, but also in a way that truly resonates with me and how I see in others. Does that make sense? Yeah. Those are kind of opposite things, but I could yeah, watch I think, him. I would watch him do anything. Totally. I think it's interesting because you have him who is so very clever and just very himself and real. And then you have other people in the cast who think of themselves as extremely clever and smart mm-hmm. and and you can tell there's a lot of like performative nature about it and then other people who are just completely unaware of their stupidity right. <laughs> in this but have true political skills right um and then you know of other people who you, you know you look at them and you think you are going to fail so badly at this just because like you have the heart you have the you know the the smarts but you just don't have the 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 look and the physical presence of a politician and i think that to me started to get get at me at like immediately as i start watching this i'm already pulling these things out as opposed to listening to what these kids are interested in and their policies and stuff like that immediately is do you have the presence to win this thing yeah. and it truly makes this whole thing about winning only winning nothing else right yeah um well i think there's so much that we want to say that we are saving for spoilers so we are we all ready to skip ahead to that let's yeah. do it before we get started Does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. We should just kind of take the boys one by one. Just because I think their stories are so, like, like each of them have a different story and a different way of, like, going through the world. Um, Yeah. Let's start with Renee, just because he's the one I'm the most excited about. Um... If if I could have only picked one of these guys, I would have to follow. I would have picked Renee, um, even though Stephen is kind of like I would say Stephen is the star of this film. Um, if you had to pick one, Renee is the one that I find incredibly fascinating. The way he could just control the room to control a room of seventeen year old boys is so like hard. Yes. <laughs> Especially for another 17-year-old. And obviously, like, he seemed to have, like, a tricky time of it at times, but he always, like, got it back together. Yeah. Also, those glasses. (laughs) I just... That's... That tells me everything. The glasses. Those glasses were amazing. I, I would be watching a scene... And, like, important things would be going on, but I'd have to, like, stop and just be like, okay, I can't handle how amazing his glasses are. Mm-hmm. And for... I think what makes him so interesting to me is that he is, like, I think the most odd man out of that group. Mm-hmm. You know? Like... He's not from Texas, is the other thing. Right. He's originally from Chicago, who has moved to Texas. Right. And so I do think he has that kind of outsider quality of, like, what is going on here? Yeah. He, like... He 
is not white. He is not very masculine. He is, um, like, smart in a different way. In the the way that, like, all those other boys thought they were smart, he's smart in a different way, in a way that I very much appreciate. Um, And yet, he was able to gain the, like, trust and votes and, uh, like, respect of all these conservative white boys, you know? Or, you know, like, maybe not so conservative white boys. Yeah, I think he was very smart about his first speech. It was different than how he kind of controlled things later after he got people on board to vote for him. And I think he just understands people and understands, like, groups of people and those dynamics really well. Yeah. And, like, it's it's just so fascinating to me that, like, he especially, him, he was the one that seemed to, like, have to go through the most struggles throughout mm-hmm. the film um, of like being attacked by like a small minority in his group, having like later on in the film, the Ben Feinstein guy kind of like attackers integrity and yet like he persevered throughout all of it um, while maintaining like a really great sense of humor and like the perfect ability of like politically throwing shade in a way that doesn't make him seem gross, you know, Mm -hmm. that's such a tight rope to walk that he was so good at. I mean, the two moments that like, I will remember from the movie were the two joking insults that he gave where he, (laughs) you know, when only 12 boys wanted to impeach him (laughs) and he said, why don't y'all go form a basketball team (laughs) instead of like, and we'll do like the work Mm -hmm. here. And then the time when he called out the opposing party's, like, governor candidate for losing his voice. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed so hard at that. Uh, Yeah. So, Renee is someone who I I could have watched a whole movie of. And just every, like, the way he would speak. I think the most exciting moment in the trailer for this movie is when he says, are you ready for a turbulent election? And he just, like, brings energy to every scene he was in. Yeah. Let's talk next about uh, Ben Feinstein as, like, the other party chair, I guess, that was elected. So that, that I think, is what's most interesting about this um, documentary is the fact that the the people that they're following end up running for the four four kids. Two of them are running for governor on one team. On one party. And then the other two are the party chair. Or, sorry, yeah. I call them teams. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, parties. Yes, for one party, and then the two um, chairs of the two parties, which I think is just amazing that they were able to, <laughs> to you know, to to have that. I don't know that they all got elected, right? To, or, or that they all got to those positions, which I think is truly amazing. Um, but specifically about Ben, I think coming into this at the beginning, I expected a lot more people to be like Ben. Mm. Um, Big fan of Ronald Reagan. Very, um, they they talk about an, another character as Ben Shapiro esque, but I, I do feel like I do feel like Ben kind of has that 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 vibe and that that kind of mindset of I'm smarter than everybody else. Look at me. I love the power of being in this position. He kept mention every time he told people to be quiet, he would bring up the fact that like, oh, I love having all this power, yeah. um, which uh, made me nervous the whole, the whole time. Deeply disturbing. Yeah, yeah, very. Um, but he has the political acumen to understand how to win an election, that it's not about the actual policies and how to kind of 
really attack um, uh, Renee. Renee. Yeah, how to attack Renee, uh, what specific points he should get people kind of riled up about. Um, and it just so mirrors actual, how actual politics works. That part, to me, was very depressing. Watching his storyline was very depressing. Yeah. I felt very sad in certain parts watching him and just, like, this is his life and how he lives it. And it just feels sad and kind of exhausting to me. Yeah. You know, because all of us grew up in Texas, right? Um, Like, we know what it's like to be a teenager in Texas and, like, how conservative it is. Some of us even grew up incredibly in incredibly conservative families. And so watching like these teen boys be so conservative, there was a part of me that's like, I don't know about specifically for this Ben person, but like in general, because there's a lot of conservative like talk throughout the whole camp. I, I kept thinking like, okay, this doesn't frustrate me or scare me in the way it would if these were, this was like real adult pol- politicians. Because they are still kids. You know what I mean? They're still teens. Right. And, like, I know some of the dumb political things that I believed in when I was a teen that I absolutely do not anymore and that I grew out of. And it gave me... And, like, that... Knowing that in my journey as a Texas teen gave me a small sense of hope while watching these Texas teens. Thinking, like, okay, this is how you feel at 17 in a very specific riled up environment and maybe that's not necessarily what your future will look like um so but with the ben character i think his was the most chilling of them all (laughs) like yes because to me it was less about i think these things because i grew up around other people adults who thought them and so of course i think these things which is kind of how i was as a texas teen i think right i just hadn't like really thought about them but for him it seems like it comes from a deeper place for Mm -hmm. him and also so much of it was like you just have to do this to win in a way that just feels like deeply ingrained in who he is that just felt like just felt like yeah i don't know like that's a very specific that's a much harder thing to grow out of and to to think deprogram yes yeah one thing that i found really interesting about his journey was like he went there assuming he would be running for governor. Like, he just thought, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's the highest position. I'm the smartest person. Like, that's what I'll do. And then once he got there, like, sh- like changing lanes and realizing, like, my skill set, like, set really applies more to something like the party chair. Um, which he was correct because even watching him try to, like, communicate with other teens, it's like, yeah. you're smart, but you're not charming. Mm-hmm. Like... You are not... Right. He he doesn't seem to fully understand, like, how to socialize, like, in the way that someone, the, the person running for governor would. Um, and, and, he, and he kind of quickly, like, learned that himself. He's much better at yeah. telling other people how to act to get what they want than to be able to do that himself. Than being the performer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that was... And I think... Go ahead. Yeah. I, w- I was going to transition to the truck guy i'm trying to remember his name do you mean robert mcdougall robert mcdougall i, I called him, him the truck guy because so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so go ahead seeing him next to 
um, Robert McDougall, who is such the charmer, like the charismatic person. As soon as he gets off the bus, he's meeting everybody and shaking everybody's hand. And like seeing a guy like that where you're like, that's that's the guy. And immediately thinking, that's the guy who's going to get it. He's gonna. He's he's a hundred percent gonna win this thing, and then watching him talk about about how he doesn't believe this stuff, and he's just put saying these things because that's what he thinks everybody else believes, and that's that's the way to win. And kind of how he has this moment with, um, I'm forgetting all their names. Steven? Who's the guy who? Stephen, yes, having this conversation with Stephen about how much he admires Stephen, and um, he's. And then he, him talking about possibly stepping down because Steven is, I mean, really the true winner here. And, like, that kind of mentality, I think, was not what I expected. I expected it to come into this movie with him being the villain. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you can see he just has a different mindset about all of this than, than Ben has. And Ben thinks that he's the Robert McDougall type of person. Mm. I would be really interested to see a, a scenario where Ben was the kind of back person to... Robert. A Rob. Yeah. If they had been on the same party, Mm -hmm. what would have happened? Right. Um, Rob is the character that I have, I have so much affection for. Even like when you're, (laughs) even when he's being a bonehead, you're Mm -hmm. like, I have, I have hope and affection for you. Um, because Rob is like naturally charming. He's not like trying to be charming. He's not like, like, that is like pure. It's a pure energy running through him. Um, even when he's not like he, it's just he's constantly full of jokes and mo- running around and energy and um, he seems like someone who is not as smart as all the other boys, but smart smart enough to get himself into a little bit of trouble. You know what I mean? Like he, like some of I, one great scene in the trailer for this movie is when he's working on his candidacy speech. Um, and I think it's a pretty yeah. well written speech at the beginning. It's it's funny, it's fun, and it's interesting that like when he actually goes to give his speech, it's not as good as what he was rehearsing. Um, and I feel like that's probably like a common theme for him is that like he has these great ideas, and then when it comes time to deliver, like he doesn't always follow through. But he was fascinating, yeah, because he just seemed like he wanted to like win and have fun and be the popular guy and didn't have like the substance to back the substance to back it up which was such an interesting thing to say about like our politics is that it does kind of take a combo of both like you do have to have the charm but you still have to have a message like you can't win on purely charm otherwise rob would have taken this whole thing you know Vote for someone. Vote and I for think that's Rob. what we. Yeah. <laughs> vote for someone. Vote, vote for, for Rob. someone. Vote for Rob. When he it's such. It was so yeah. funny in that scene because he came up with this slogan that we thought was hilarious, and it's like, is it a good slogan? No, but do I remember it? Yes. Vote for someone. Vote for Rob. <laughs> like, is so funny and memorable. And then he dr- ditches that and comes up with this awful slogan about morality that I can't remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And his, like, you know, side guy is like, no, 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 it has to be catchy, it has to be short. And he keeps trying to shorten it, and he doesn't understand what's catchy. Like, he... Yeah. <laughs> that's what's so fascinating about Rob is that he he inherently can come up with catchy stuff, but he doesn't know it when he sees it. Right. Um, yeah. And so vote for someone, vote for Rob is, oh, it's so good. It's really good. <laughs> I think he's someone, too, that's like... 
one-on-one uh, -on -one or in a small group is just very is more charming and captivating than when he gets in front of a big crowd. Absolutely. Which is something I personally resonate with. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said, Rob just needs to go to Joshua Tree one summer, like in college, and like, he's going to switch all the way around. Absolutely. Or just meet the right group of friends. Yes. Which yeah. I think I think he um, will. I mean, based on the stuff that he was saying, it yeah. like... It feels like he's more open than he wants to be, yeah. or not wants to be, but more than he's willing to talk about, just because this is the life he lives. He's surrounded by all these people. He feels like this is who he needs to be to, you know, to survive in this area. And the second he gets out of that, I feel like it, it's all going to fall out. But I, I feel like his viewpoints are, like, the way he even thinks about things is very different than the people who, you can tell, like, hearing some of the speeches, not even from... The, the people that were following this documentary but like a lot of the other speeches that are going on you hear these catchphrases that are just you can tell it's like you have no idea what you're talking about these are things that you've heard on the news right. and from your parents and, and it, it, it happens on the democratic side as well of just like you can tell when people don't actually have any experience with these things or know anything right they're just saying the things that people are telling them yeah um and i think rob specifically has thought about some of this more than he's willing to actually talk about mm -mm. yeah is he the one that is going to West Point? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so, up. yeah, a little bit of a toss up. But so <laughs> speaking of like his viewpoints, he tries to like make his main campaign like message to be about like him being um, like pro-life, right? Him being anti-choice, yeah. <laughs> being against abortion. Um and it was. I know those phrases always weird me out trying to figure out what. Yeah. <laughs> well, they they all apply, and like so. They, so they do. It's. <laughs> you know, it was fascinating to me to see teen boys like get riled up about abortion because I don't remember when I was a teenager like teen boys being that passionate about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, Correct. <laughs> it just wasn't a thing that I saw teen boys like, oh, I hate abortion. You know, like they just, right. you know. Um, so to see him thinking like that was going to be his winning point was very interesting. And to see other like teen boys bringing it up was like eerie, but also strange and, and interesting. Ultimately, like it proves that it doesn't work, right? Like, even though it might be something that a few boys are yelling about, it's not like a winning message, you know? Um, right. Which gave me a little bit of hope that, like, <laughs> even though that's think, the flashy thing to cover, it's not necessarily the thing that was, like, the winning ideal. Right. And I think to transition to, to kind of how we feel about Stephen, like, I think that was what was so surprising is that when you get up to that speech and Stephen starts his speech, I'm like, this guy is not charismatic. This guy cannot win against um, Rob. I mean, against Rob. Like, I didn't think Rob's speech was great, but I just think he has that energy. And then Stephen gets up there. But the fact that he's talking about personal experiences and he, he I mean, actually getting emotional about the things that he is passionate about comes across so much and is responded to by these kids. And I loved that. I love, <laughs> I love that that's actually the reaction. Like, not that it's like a filmmaking choice or anything, but that like, this is what these kids responded to. And overwhelmingly, based on the results, that he, he was something that resonated with all of these people. And you could see throughout the, the campaign, people coming up to him and talking to him about like, how, oh, yeah, the stuff that you're talking about matters to me and affects me. Um, as opposed to the other big talking points that a lot of the other candidates were talking about. Yeah. Um, and I, th I, I think 
it was so interesting to watch um, people bring up, um, you know, his work with, I forget the organization. March for Our Lives. Um, but yes, March for Our Lives um, and and kind of him, him talking about specifically, like, what does that mean to him? Like, is, you know, he's not specifically tying himself to this organization, but here's what he believes about guns. And it's not these big talking points. It's about him personally, his experiences. And because that resonated so much with all of these kids, that is the thing that I came out of this with hope for, is that even though he didn't win, um, it, it it did come down to a lot of kids not paying attention and just, you know, voting for, you know, the not the flashy guy, but the I, – I, I do think Ben's um, campaign about bias stuff, you know, definitely got involved there. But the fact that all of this – really resonated with these kids gives me a lot of hope for the future of politics. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think Ben, not, ugh, not Ben, Steven, I think Steven stands for a lot of what um, the Gen Z politics are going to look like in the future. I think that's very true. I also think from my experience at Girls State, there are a lot of people that are not trying to get to these top offices too, which is what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, I feel like you don't see like there is a lot of thought there are a lot of thoughtful just smart kids who are going to this i always called it government camp but <laughs> so i think it makes sense to me that so like maybe more of the quiet people that like aren't going to run for some of the bigger offices or aren't going to be like in the uh, all of the shots of like um of this documentary are still being thoughtful and thinking and like looking for someone who is genuine um and found that in Steven yeah. Steven was so interesting to me because, like, he has he doesn't have the charm of, like, a Rob. Like, I thought it was interesting to see Rob and Steven trying to get people to sign their petition, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Rob mm-hmm. got it done so easily and was, like, so, like, very much a car salesman. Like, so easy and charming to get it done. And Steven had to, like, really work for it, right? And so, like, when you start the movie and you're seeing Steven, like, struggle to communicate with people or struggle to like get these signatures um you kind of think like oh this kid isn't built for this you know what i mean like he's he seems like a sweet yeah. kid with a lot of good like ideals but not built for politics and then as soon as he gets on stage and gives his first speech he like comes alive and you realize like okay he's not a charmer but he is a great writer he's like a this really impressive speechwriter. That is where his skill really shines. I also think he has an authenticity that really comes through to people. Definitely. And I think that helped him a lot too. Yeah. And so it's, I I think the most fascinating part of this movie is seeing these different teens that all kind of want to quote unquote work in politics maybe and where their skill sets all lie, right? And how, mm-hmm. like, a politician... The ideal politician needs all of those skill sets in one. Um, and to see, like, how they kind of all, you know, mix and match. Um, but, yeah, Stephen was... The sincerity that he brought, I think, went a long way. And how... I mean, the most emotional m- moment of the movie is after he loses. And all of the boys coming up to him. All these, like you know, quote-unquote macho, masculine Texas boys coming up to him and crying him and hugging him uh, and talking about, like, what a difference meeting him made. And just, like, you you really get the sense that, like, not, you know, maybe not every single boy that went to this camp had this experience, but a good amount of them 
like met someone who was passionate and caring and didn't undermine people and thought carefully and critically and that like really made a difference to these boys and taught them something about like the way to be and think about politics. Yeah, I also think it's such an interesting setup that they do, like, federalist versus nationalist, and you don't have any choice in what party you're in. Right. Like, you get placed in that system. And so there's a lot more, I think, opportunity to talk about, like, you know, bipartisanship and, like, how do we all come together on this thing instead of just, like, relying solely on... We all agree on the same topics. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it... I think that really helps me feel hopeful too. That, or at least like watching it, you have to like that, that strategy can work. That it's not just about like. Well, it's interesting because specifically, like because of the context of Texas and like being so conservative, what we really, in my opinion, what we really got to see was a mass of conservative boys and then a few progressive boys needing to be very smart about how to appeal to a conservative audience. And like, okay, how do I take my beliefs and my platform and make it appealing to conservatives? And it's something that like needs to happen and is frustrating in so many ways. (laughs) Right. So I guess maybe then I'm hopeful that (laughs) this Steven was able to kind of get... uh, what am I trying to say? Basically, that Stephen was able to work within that and still get a lot of support. Right. And, like, that that is possible. Yeah. What Did did either of you, like, when you were watching Renee or Stephen, these, like, progressive, you know, guys, the way that they would, like, kind of, you know, sell themselves or, like, maybe not say all the things that they believed in and as a way to sell themselves. Did any of you feel like discouraged, either discouraged at all? I don't think so. Cause I think, I think in that environment, obviously like <laughs> a bunch, a bunch of white boys in a room and you've got a couple minorities who are on stage talking. Yeah. There is a little bit of this kind of mentality of you, you got to tone it down. You just have to, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you have to. And I think what they did really well from, from Renee, Renee is very pragmatic and very specific. You know, he, like he's not saying big flashy generic things. Um, he's saying like, these are the rules. This is how, this is how we have to do this. This is how we have to do it to win. And I think he's coming from a more, um, he's coming to it from a place of, I am protected by my knowledge of these things. Mm. And so, I don't have to I don't I don't feel like he feels like he has to tone down himself at all. He just has to be clear about what he's trying to communicate. And so he can't, you know, come out with all of these liberal agendas and these liberal things that that you know that I think he thinks, but I don't think he sees that as toning himself down. I think he's just wanting to be very clear about the the few things that he does want to push forward. Yeah. Yeah, watching it also, I kept thinking about like specifically what this Boy State camp was like being in filmed in 2018 and like the use of Instagram and like the memes like the meme accounts and the use of um like that there was a news team that was following these boys around and podcasts and and how different was this year than other years um so that really makes me want to ask you Linda like how did you feel this experience compared to your experience back in 2006 at Girl State 
Yeah, well, I was I went back and looked through my photos from Girl State, <laughs> and there's one of me on a bed with my Motorola razor. <laughs> and so when we were watching it, I was like, oh. The idea of social media as part of this, just how they, they're creating Instagram accounts for this week-long thing yeah. and to get messages across, and then, of course, it turns racist yeah. because uh, it would, and to see how all of that is navigated and used to people's advantage is very, very interesting. And just, like, the jokes that are made, because we didn't have any of that, and so it, I, I don't feel as connected. I feel like... When I went to Girl State, very quickly upon arrival, you realize, oh, there are some people that are very into this, they knew what they were getting into, and they are excited to be here. <laughs> and then there are people who did not really know what they were getting into <laughs> and are overwhelmed and trying to survive. I was trying to survive and very quickly found the other people that were like, okay, we're not going to be intense about this, but we're we're going to get through this week and <laughs> maybe make some friends and like it will be okay. Yeah. And I feel like if I had had social media where I could at least be like, oh, I want to get in on the jokes and I want to see what's happening and like I want to kind of be involved in that way, not in like talking to everyone or being friends with everyone, but like being able to still know what was happening, but from the comfort of my phone would have been a completely different experience for me. Yeah. And what, how is it, how do you think it differed being a girls versus boys, like, organization? Yeah, that's really fascinating it's to me, that. too, because I would love to watch a girls' state. I just don't feel like, I had said when we were watching it, how amazing it would have been if they had filmed a girls' state the same year and released both films, you know, um, yeah. as a compare and contrast. This is really just based on my experience and my gut feeling right now, but I think, I don't remember... And I don't feel like there's the same level of, like, joking about things that happened at Girl State. I feel like most, the majority of the girls that went were either very serious, not serious, but, like, interested, focused, focused and interested in, like, ambitious, like, that's the girl that would go to Girl State. Yeah. So you don't have as many, and maybe we did, and I just don't remember, but I feel like you don't have as many of the, like... Success, succession is or secession is on our yeah wanting party to party platform wanting to outlaw Priuses right right I mean surely there were joke things but I just feel like there's just a little more there's a little more focus or it's a little more of like I also and this might be wrong but I feel like it might have been more progressive I remember what is it Ann Richards is she the mm-hmm. former state former governor, governor? who's a woman who was, like, a Democrat. I believe so. But I just remember, I feel like it might have been a little more on the progressive side. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see what that was right. really like. And I feel like so much of, like, watching it, thinking, like, all these boys together with no women around, they, like, amp up all their, like, testosterone. Like, they, mm-hmm. the yelling and the competitiveness and the, the, the mind think gets can be so scary when it's a group of teenage boys you know yeah yeah. i am curious about girl state if if there was that kind of almost win at all cost mentality of because everybody kept kind of circling around this thought of like we have to win and it's about winning it's not necessarily about getting the politics that work for you it's about winning making sure your team wins. i mean i feel like there was some like we need to have party pride 
and yeah. vote with your party kind of tones. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember. And again, I was not heavily involved. So <laughs> at the top, there could have been a lot of we have to win. But that wasn't the... I didn't come away with that experience right. of thinking yeah. that way. Also, were there posters? Did they make posters in this movie? I remember instead of Instagram, we there was a lot of posters everywhere. Well, that's you really how you had to stand out. Yeah, you had to stand out with your poster. Right. Campaigning was like, even when I ran for like student council, like the way you campaigned was you made posters. And I feel like nowadays people are like, I don't need to make a fucking poster. I can make it a whole Instagram account. Right. That, oh, that's fascinating too. Also, the interesting thing about Girl State is it takes place on uh, a Lutheran college in, okay. I think, Seguin, somewhere like small town not a lot going on that's like drivable to Austin. So it was much more, when I see them on like UT campus, it just feels a lot different than we were on this like some, like a much smaller university campus with like no one from the outside around at all. Right. And then we went to the Capitol at the very end Mm -hmm. to do some stuff there. And also there was a lot more singing. There was a lot more singing, lots of singing, (laughs) lots of girls singing songs about Girl State to the tune of other songs. We did not have, like, the cool band. Yeah. Like, in this film. Oh, the, the March... Did you have a talent show? We did have a talent <laughs> show. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe we almost forgot to talk about the talent show. <laughs> the audi- the sequence, the montage of teens auditioning for the talent show. I- oh, Incredible. my goodness. I couldn't believe how good it was. It's like, we see this montage in, like, fictional movies. And it always seems like yes. played up for the jokes. And to see it in a documentary and to be like, no, that it, is real. It felt scripted. Yeah. Like the first kid where it's just like, don't put your hands in your pockets. This is, you know, all right, all right. Now do, do it like you would. And he immediately just like sneezes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, <laughs> oh. We're like, I'm trying to remember what some of those talents were. But one of the talents was like listing states or like listing capitals or something. Just the nerdiest kind of <laughs> group of talent show people yeah the, the kid as the we were watching it doing like a tiktok song yeah. yes 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 as we were watching it what during the auditions rebecca said when they get to the actual talent show i'm leaving <laughs> and she walked out of the room and didn't come back until the actual talent show was over oh, i loved that talent show our talent show the highlight from from what i remember was a group of girls who did some song and dance directed at the only male who was it, like regularly in the cafeteria serving. Oh my goodness. And it was hilarious and also probably deeply problematic now. But oh, it was so funny. Because we were all, the tone of Girl State was very much like, okay, but like we would like for boys to be here. <laughs> at least in like kind of the overall theme of it. That was something that was so funny when... At the very beginning, when Steven, who he has, I don't think he's realized that he needs to tone down his progressiveness yet. Mm-hmm. Like, he just gets off the bus. And he's like, I wish that there was people's state instead of boy's state or girl's state. And the boy he's talking to is, like, utterly confused. Like, can't <laughs> comprehend. He's like, wait, but what? He's like, but there's girl's state. He's like, yeah, but I wish there was people's state, like, combined. And he's like, huh, not following. <laughs> to me, it was just like, it seems like these boys would have wanted girls there, you know? Like... We all wanted a mixer. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> the last day, all the girl state people hang out with the boy state people. Or that's what I wanted. And it's, it is fascinating to me that, to this day, it is still separated by gender. Right. Like, that 
something like politics and government feels the need to be separated by gender is is strange and <laughs> and old fashioned. It's very American Legion. It's very old fashioned. It's yeah. like we can't let them mix because they'll all just have sex the whole time. You know. Yeah, or like to me, I just I think it would be so hard for the girls of Girl State to really get anywhere. Yeah, I think it's very possible that it would true. Be, uh, which I mean, you know, maybe that's not true. accurate <laughs> depiction, but I like that they get to have this one space where it's like all female government. Right. Like right. that's pretty rad. Yeah, I do think. Yeah, I do think from the American Legion's perspective, I'm positive the way they think about it is like if girls were there. These boys would not focus on politics. <laughs> yeah. It's either competition or it's girls. And that that is kind of the, the mindset that the American Legion has about it. Oh, fascinating. Which is just... Well, uh, I mean... These, it's, it's not training anybody for actual politics. The American Legion of it all also adds, like, this tone to the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this very pro-military, mm-hmm. pro-veteran. Mm-hmm. Like, and when you think about... Obviously, Texas is a conservative state, so there's a lot of conservative boys there. But then when you also think about the types of boys that would apply to this program hosted by the American Legion in Mm -hmm. their town, you kind of think of, like, what boys are familiar with the American Legion and, you know, have history with the American Legion. And it's probably more conservative boys. Um, And so that colors, like, the types of teens that are participating in this program. Also, I have no idea if this is... Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, who's who's the the girl state hosted by? It's still the American it's, Legion. It's not it's the American, American Legion oh, Auxiliary, okay. which is the female oh, okay. portion of the American Legion, so it's a little different. Right. Got it. So do, do you only find out about it if you're somehow connected with American Legion, or is it like a big thing that is popular in schools and stuff like that? So the way it happened for me was the counselor pro- pulled me into her office and was like, hey, we need a girl state rep. The other people I asked said, no, do you want to do it? And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I asked my mom, and she was like, great for the the college apps. And I yeah. was like, awesome. I, like, I'm applying to more colleges than one. That is not going to be... Anyway. And so then I went. But I feel like there are... At other schools, it's like a honor. It's like a big thing. Yeah, I think it just depends on like your school system. Like some probably don't have anyone interested, and they're like sourcing teens. Others probably have multiple teens applying, and like the American Legion guys are picking who's going. You know, like like in that interview process that right. we saw. But I also feel yeah. like kind of what you mentioned earlier, Linda, is that you know the girls that I think that are interested in girls' state are like your. The girls who run for student class president, the girls who are in your honors programs, things like that, and are seeking these opportunities out um, or, or being found by counselors, you know. Right. And whereas the boys tend to be these, like, you know, boys who maybe like, I think there's some of those boys that are like that. Um, and then others that might, like, you know, their family participates in the American Legion. And so, like, they've heard about it or, right. um, you know. It just seems to me like the teen ambitious leadership girl is different than the teen ambitious leadership boy sometimes. Yeah. And like kind of the classic, it's, it's someone that when you think, oh, this person should go to this leadership role. Right. It's not necessarily who should be. Especially in Texas. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah. So I, 
you know, once this movie was over, I immediately followed Stephen and Renee on Instagram. I want to, like, keep tabs on them. <laughs> I said to Sandra, I have to know what they wear in real life. Yeah. Especially what Renee's fashion is like. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and Rob does not have an Instagram account. Um, smart. And Ben is private, which is also smart. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But if Rob's at West Point, that might be why. That's possible. Yeah. True. Um, so I'm excited to see where these guys go. And um, and I'm also excited. I really hope that more people see this movie. Um, Me too. I, 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 th- I hope that it gets a lot of buzz. I hope it does really well. I could see it being up for some Oscars this year. Uh, or like the Oscar, I guess. Not some. Probably just the one. <laughs> um, yeah. So how, would y'all recommend this movie to other people? And, and what would you... Um, caution them with when recommending it i would say there's definitely going to be some high school trauma that gets brought up for everybody yeah that's fair <laughs> but i would absolutely think everybody should watch yeah. it i i've already been recommending it to people and i think uh, for people who aren't from texas yeah there's probably some some explanations <laughs> or some apologies <laughs> that could really uh help yeah but most of the people i've been uh, telling it to are from Texas, which I think it really just adds an element. Like you really get it. There was a moment where I was watching it and one of the boys ate a kolache in the cafeteria. Yes. And I was like, Oh, I miss, I, I miss Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it, get, it made me homesick a little bit. The way I was getting triggered to my experience at girl state, Sandra was also just to Texas in general. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, did it make you miss Texas at all? No, I miss nothing about Texas. Except <laughs> Great. Fair enough. Texas yeah. is trash. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, I loved talking about this movie with y'all. Let's let people know where um, people who are listening can find you online. You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. You should look for me on Twitter, Linda J. Bailey. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Oh, we're so glad to have you, Linda. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 